All right, you got a white sheet. You've got a yellow sheet in front of you. Uh, the white one has the Augsburg Confession and the Apology uh, that deals with the service of the Lord's Supper or the Mass. Article 24 talks about how we observe the Mass with more earnestness and greater devotion. Uh, and so we've been... We've been uh, Introducing that as well as talking about the first part of the communion service, uh, which begins with the common preface that would be the salutation response. This is not the only time it happens. It also uh, begins the service of the word where we have the collect and the pastor is getting ready to do that. And so there is this mutual exchange uh, that goes between us. Uh, the Lord has given the spirit of the pastoral office, and go ahead, do what you've been given to do. So once again, we are uh, reminded that the communion service is beginning, and the pastor is now dealing with the sacrament, word and sacrament we talked about uh, before. And so, the Lord be with you. Last time, we spent a good deal of time on the Sursum Corda, uh, Latin, the lift up uh, your hearts, your hearts be lifted up. The people respond, we lift them up unto the Lord. We talked about how this was an exhortation. I, I, I don't know, that's a little bit strong. Um, usually, an, an exhortation is... Uh, might have a little bit of a uh, uh, force behind it, and yet the people uh, are saying that's the very thing we want to do. Um, uh, maybe it's not an extra. Maybe it's simply an announcement of the time. It's now time to do this, and the people say, "Yes, we're ready for uh, the time of putting away all earthly thoughts." We have heard the word. We have received the forgiveness of sins. And uh, our, our worthiness only comes through faith in, in Christ and what he has done for us. He has created in us clean hearts, and now we are ready with those uh, clean hearts, which comes by faith, uh, that we might direct our thoughts towards heavenly things, towards what the Lord is giving out, uh, the, the gifts that he has given out. Uh, we took a look at some of those. Colossians 3.1 probably is, uh, though it doesn't have the exact same words, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. And so we are, uh, if you are Christians, if you are baptized, if, if you have heard the word, it is now time to uh, receive our Lord's gift in the uh, in the supper itself. We're moving towards uh, the uh, third of the responses. Let us give thanks unto the Lord our God. Uh, it is meet and right so to do. And then uh, the the thanksgiving. Uh, this one's called the Sursum Corda. Uh, this one's called the Gratias Agamus. Uh, let us give thanks. Uh unto the Lord our God. And so we're going to see a thanksgiving. Uh, we talked about how uh, this is not only 
uh, something that is neat and right, but it is of saving benefit. It is, in Latin, salus. Uh, it is salutary. It is, it is saving. And this thanksgiving, uh, and, and how do we receive, how do we, how do we give thanks? Well, we, we take up the gift that the Lord has given. We use what he is providing for us. Uh, and as it says here, at all times and all places, we ought to give thanks. And then there is going to be a, uh, a reference to the, the thanks that needs to be uh, made. I uh, don't know if I'm going to get. Don't don't tell my wife how many tabs I have open on this browser. I I make fun of her after about four days. She's got 500 of them open. You know. <laughs> Why is this computer slow? Um, but I, I got a bunch. I don't know if I can keep them straight today. Uh, there is a um. There is a book. It's called The Explanation of the Common uh, Service. And it goes through in a kind of catechism uh, uh, book of sorts uh, where it deals with the parts of the liturgy and asks questions uh, concerning it. As we begin now with uh, the Holy Supper, We've gone through the Office of the Word. Now we're going to take a look at the next part. It emphasizes the sacredness of this part of the service. The first part of the service was known as the Mass of the Catechumens. uh, And at the conclusion, those who were catechumens were dismissed, as it says, with the special prayers. That is, they were not yet able to take up the Lord's Supper. Uh, The preaching of the Word is a general proclamation that is for all, uh, but uh, the uh, due to some of the words that Apostle Paul has given uh, concerning those who receive, and we even talked about with the exhortation, uh, that this is only for those who are communicants, who have been taught, able to examine themselves, who know the faith. And so the doors were closed, so no profane eye might behold the sacred mysteries, Uh, The liturgy, an old liturgy tells us in what spirit the people must approach the holy table. It says, let no one have aught against anyone. You have nothing against anyone. Let no one come into prophecy. Let us stand upright uh, before the Lord with fear and trembling. We see the hymn is sung. The minister goes to the altar. We have the vessels prepared with the hymn ended. Uh, The congregation shall rise. There are three main divisions of the office of the Holy Supper. There is the preparatory or the uh, preface uh, part. There is the administration. And then there is, that's what happens after uh, the communion. So, uh, we've started. We've taken a look at the preface itself. Kind of a foreword. It's a high thanksgiving. We've noticed the uh, preparatory sentences. And now we're moving forward into the thanksgiving part itself. Uh, What does the salutation imply? The Lord be with you 
the Lord must first come to us before we can go to him. As much as to say, the Lord be with you and in you and help you uh, to pray. What is the meaning of that response? The people ask a blessing. And with your spirit upon the minister, pray that the Lord may give him a devout mind, guide him in those coming ministrations. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up. Let us give thanks. Uh, They stand in close connection with the salutation. Give specific directions to the congregation's devotion in view of the exalted nature of these of the acts of worship which follow, that they should be full of joy and gratitude. Lift up your hearts. Think of nothing earthly, but arise. Go to the very throne of God. Offer prayer and praise. For not only is Christ present in the sacrament, but he also sits at the right hand of God. This lifting up of hearts finds its fullest expression in the words of the Sanctus. How do the people respond, saying that they're going to lift up their uh, hearts as well? The minister rouses their minds to a sense of his best blessing, suggests uh, the nature of the prayer. They accept that, saying it is meet and right so to do their readiness to join in this prayer of thanksgiving. It is truly meet, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks unto thee, O Lord, Holy Father, Almighty, Everlasting God. In the early liturgies, there was a long thanksgiving. Uh, Let's see if I can hit it. Uh, Strodok, in his explanation... uh, talks about this uh, preface, this introduction. Um, We look them up. The altar book. Um, This is the Thanksgiving or Eucharist, now a brief ascription of thanks and praise, but originally in the use of the early church and judging from its many extent liturgies, that thanksgiving prayer that was included at that point was very long. Uh, the word Eucharist means thanksgiving. Uh, and it immediately refers us to our Lord's giving of thanks at the institution of the supper. In the early liturgies, the thanksgiving, after this uh, divine example, after our Lord's thanksgiving, next to the reception itself was considered the chief part of the celebration. No doubt from this holy sacrament, uh, from this, the holy sacrament received the name, the Eucharist or the Thanksgiving. If you were going to the Eucharist, uh, they used that part, similar to when we talk about going to confession absolution, we might say, are you going to confession? You just give one part of it to describe the whole. They used this, uh, uh, the preface, connected with the festival or season commemorated uh, oh in the western church and particular in ours as well you've got this preface and then there is what's called a proper preface proper means it goes to the day Um, there are uh, a certain number there are seven of these that are appointed for the use 
in the early church and in the east, they didn't have this. We've got something that changes. During Advent, you'll hear this put after that. It is truly right to give thanks, and then it goes on to talk about John the Baptist. During Christmas time, it'll talk about the word, the revelation made revealed. Enduring Epiphany, it talks about on your yellow sheet, on the back of it, you will see the proper prefaces that are listed, and then it concludes with a with a thanksgiving. Um, here's where it says the ancient Eastern liturgies didn't do this. They had one preface, and it was common to all occasions. Uh, the early uh, Roman sacramentary, apparently, for the remains of the book are not complete, provided uh, they talk about a proper preface for each one. Um, I don't know, I, I thought it was right there. Uh, many of these early ones started with giving thanks, and it started with creation, and it went on to uh, the Old Testament prophets and what the Lord granted to them going on to the rescue at the Red Sea, finally to, you know, and and, it kind of, and then it would culminate in the giving of our Lord Jesus and his suffering, death, and resurrection, and then it would go into Lord's Supper. But there was this long prayer that, you know, might go three pages for um, that, that did this. Um... And that's why when they talk about the Thanksgiving, how it was it was uh, a, a bit longer with that. Um, the Western Church has started. If you look at the bottom of page one, it has uh, this introduction. Therefore, with angels and archangels, with all the company of heaven, we love and magnify thy glorious name, evermore praising thee, and saying. And then you turn it over. And one of those proper prefaces is used. And then at the very end it says, Therefore, with angels and archangels, with all the covenant of heaven, we laud and magnify thy glorious name, evermore praising thee and saying. And then came the, the Sanctus, the, the singing of the Sanctus. I want to take a look just a bit at, at some of these. But we've looked at the responses. When we have... Let's see if I can get to... When we have this... Uh, it is meet right inside. We should, at all times and in all places, give thanks. It addresses our Lord. O Lord, it refers to the Holy Father. Somewhat reminds of like a John 17 where Jesus... Uh, uh, in the garden as he is praying and what's called his high priestly prayer uh, refers to our, our Lord as, as the Father, the Almighty, everlasting God. And then it goes in this these proper prefaces. I want to I take a look at each one. But, but, but before we do, the conclusion, once you get done with that, the conclusion, therefore, with angels and archangels therefore with angels and archangels with all the company of heaven we laud and magnify thy glorious and may ever praise thee and say and you have the sanctus 
this is all introductory. It's all introductory to get us to this sanctus, this this singing. Um, angels, archangels, all the company of heaven. At this point in the liturgy, we start to speak about how what we're doing here on earth and what angels and archangels are doing in heaven, that they are we're all becoming united in this liturgy. Uh, that what we're doing is not, oh, we got just a little something, we just made this up, we're going to do it. Wait, whoa, whoa. We're joining together with with what what they are doing in heaven. When we take a look at the Sanctus, we're going to see there's kind of three parts that go with it or go together. One is Isaiah 6, where he gets a vision of heaven. Holy, 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 and 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 we have and so what does he see? He sees Jesus on the throne and this heavenly worship. The next thing is Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, which is Jesus coming into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, and we have the welcoming of Jesus who is coming to us. And then finally, you have what is uh, the uh, pretty well the uh, the angels and the shepherds and the glory to God in the highest, um, and you have the reception of Jesus who has come. It's throwing all of this together to let us know that with the sacrament itself, we have the highest communion. We have God coming to visit us in his body and blood. We're going to receive him. He is with us, and wherever he is, angels and archangels, everyone else, we, they're on this side of death, there is no place where we can get into a closer union with our Savior, with our God. Uh, that is why uh, the church, in all of these things, makes such a big deal about this coming of our Lord, this preparatory thing before he actually comes, saying... You you better lift up your heart. You better know what's going on here. You better be ready for this meeting of of God. We know it. We need to be reminded of it. But but we know it. And I would say even in uh, um, seminary, we had we had communion every Wednesday, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. We all dressed one way. On Wednesday, everybody kind of... I mean, do you have to change? No! You know, people always ask that. Well, do you have to? You have to be... You know, do you have to dress up? Do you have to have a tie? Do you have to... No, you don't have to do any of that. But everyone kind of went, yeah, but I know what's going on here. And if I was going to meet with a dignitary or something like that, I... Yeah, I, we all kind of know. 
Now, whether it happens in that way or whether it happens by fasting or whether it happens by our prayers, by our thinking, that's what we are are preparing for. I want to go to proper prefaces. Any questions, comments? All right, proper prefaces. Uh, the back of your yellow sheet. During the season of Advent. During the season of Advent, the preface part is, Through Jesus Christ our Lord, whose way John the Baptist prepared proclaiming him the Messiah, the very Lamb of God, calling sinners to repentance, that they might escape from the wrath to be revealed when he cometh again in glory. The themes of Advent are highlighted. What are we giving thanks for? Well, we've got all these readings that deal with John the Baptist, who is preparing the way. He is pointing out the Messiah. He is calling him the Lamb of God. He is teaching a baptism of repentance and telling sinners that they ought to repent. There is a his not only Christ's first coming, but his second coming again in glory. And thus this escape comes through, uh, through Christ. The next day John the Baptist saw Jesus coming, saying, Behold the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world. Or... Uh, even our Lord, later on, picks up and uses the exact same words um, that when the Pharisees were coming, they ought to bear fruits worthy of repentance uh, and that there was a water that would lead unto repentance. They ought to go and learn what this is. He comes to call sinners to repentance. That's Advent. Uh, that, that, that hits it with, with, with the preface. What we receive in Lord's Supper is none other than the Lamb of God and escape from wrath. We we get this. What's being what's being talked about in Advent, um, we are already prepared and we receive the fruits of that. Christmas season. For in the mystery of the Word made flesh. What is that? Got the Bible verse? John 1, verse 14. God, who is the Word at creation, became flesh. How this happens, we don't know. We call it a mystery. I don't confess it, but I don't know how. Thou has given us a new revelation of thy glory. Um, I actually use that phrase to preach on one of the Christmas sermons, sermons, that this is a revealing to us Jesus coming in the flesh reveals to us that God loves us. When you say, well, I I really want to see the Father. Yeah, when you see Jesus come in human flesh, you say, that's the Father's. I, I now know what the Father. He loves me so much he sends his Son. That's seeing you in the person of thy Son. And it says, we may be drawn to the love of those things which are not seen. things. We don't get to see the Father, but I'm now drawn to Him because of what I have seen in in Jesus Christ. Very good. What else? That's the highest. Hebrews 11 says, faith is the substance of things 
hope for the evidence of things not seen. A home that we have. A heavenly home. And and what's in the Lord's Supper, we don't see his body and blood. But here, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. If someone says, I love God, hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can they love God whom he has not seen? I also think about holy baptism, like John the Baptist saying, I baptize you with water, but there will come one that will baptize you with the Spirit. And so that connection between the love of God, who has come to us, as well as then it it connects us with um, love towards my neighbor, who I have seen. I was saying the fruits of the Spirit are things that we don't see. We see the product of them, hopefully in ourselves, towards our neighbor, but... Actually, the fruits of the Spirit, the evidence, maybe you don't see the love, joy, peace, whatever, but but you ought to see the, the actions of those, but they come from faith. This begins to speak to us of what, what? I begin to, in this Lord's Supper, in what the Lord has done, I look around and go, wow, this is a holy church here. And look at all these holy people. Now, I don't see that. But, but by faith, I begin to realize that every one of you are like I am, the rotten sinner who has now been forgiven. Uh, we're all on the road to heaven. Uh, so, so we begin to see the things that are, lift up your hearts. Look at what the Word tells you, not at what you see. We're in the Epiphany season. We're in the second Sunday of Epiphany. And now do we praise thee that thou didst send unto us thine only begotten Son. All right, so you sent that to us. That's, that's kind of Christmas already, but we're <clears throat> describing the result of Epiphany, and that in him, being found in fashion as a man, thou did manifest the fullness of thy glory. God is going to reveal during the Epiphany, he's going to manifest to us, that the one who became man at Christmas is actually true God. So we're going to see it in the wise men worshiping him. We're going to see it in him uh, wanting to stay at the temple in his father's house, and, and in, we're going to see it today in him turning the water into wine. Uh, if you had a few more, you're going to see it in some other miracles until finally the culmination of the Epiphany season is Transfiguration, where he is, his form is changed in front. The three uh, appointed uh, apostles get get to see it and declare it to us, and he talks with Moses and Elijah. Uh, that's Epiphany. But, but why are we going through these? Because in the giving of the sacrament, in the giving of Christ's body and blood and the forgiveness of sins, we receive all of this. You remember when I told you about the, uh, how the Lord's Supper is kind of like a diamond? And, and it, you can look at it from different ways and it, it provides all of, of those things. Um, I'm sure you've heard me tell the story about the uh, uh, the Roman Catholic priest 
uh, that, that came to the Lutheran liturgy, and uh, uh, they asked him, what did he think about it? And he said, well, you guys are pretty one-sided. He goes, I mean, you're just crazy about the forgiveness of sins, but uh, you know, he, he kind of thought we were, you know, we ought to have a an orchestra, not just one flute playing forgiveness. You know, he wanted lots and lots of, or you ought to have a whole lot of different. Well, the reality is that every other doctrine, all of the other, is playing the forgiveness of sins. Or, if you might want to say, the forgiveness of sins is so that we might become saints. The forgiveness of sins is so that we might have heaven. The forgiveness of sins is so that we might have the fruits of faith. The forgiveness of sins is so that we would exhibit love towards our neighbor. The forgiveness of sins, it, it, you know, as I mentioned before, the forgiveness of sins is the hub of the wheel and everything goes with it. And so, yes, we understand that it's not, oh, God doesn't care about any of all that. No, all of that comes with it. Where there is forgiveness of sins, there's life and salvation. I was just saying it all flows from that. It all flows from that. And that's 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 what we see as well. Um, we're moving forward. We'll get done. we got Epiphany 2 today, Transfiguration next Sunday. Then we'll start with pre-Lent, the Gesema season, and moving on into Lent. Uh, the Lenten one is, is a rather unique one. Uh, proper preface. It says, uh, Who on the tree of the cross didst give salvation unto mankind? That whence death arose, then life also might rise again. That he who by a tree once overcame might likewise by a tree be overcome. Through Christ our Lord, through whom with angels. So, it uses that imagery not just of Jesus dying on the cross but dying on the tree and it puts together the tree of the cross as the Old Testament said that whoever hangs upon a tree is cursed well Jesus became cursed for us and through that he did provide salvation why because whence death arose when did death rise up in the Garden of Eden, when they partook of the tree. Yep, Mary? I'm a little confused by that sentence in the middle of Lent. Uh, I got it to, thence life also might rise again, and that he who by a tree once overcame might likewise by a tree be overcome. Hmm. Yeah, so this lens, so let's go, death arose in the Garden of Eden, then also life might also rise up. And so with the coming of our Savior and, and his overcoming, uh, his, his uh, coming to suffer and die, life came. And so he who by a tree once overcome, overcame. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What now? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The tree of the knowledge of good is overcome by the tree of the cross. Likewise, by a tree, tree of the cross. I'm not getting that. Tony, I don't know. I kind of think the uh, tree that overcame was when the snake, the devil, was in the tree, and he overcame temporarily, and then Christ. Like uh, Rachel said, the cross 
finally overcame him. And he finally was overcome by the life Christ who came. Correct. Correct. And so we see the very instrument uh, that brought death is now going to be the instrument that brought life. The thing that was used to... uh, uh, I think it's interesting, the wording there, there, Satan is not referred to there. Anybody want to guess why? Doesn't he refer to Satan? The way we just heard it? Satan was only the tempter. Adam fell. But it says overcame. By a tree once overcome. Right. Adam was overcome by the tree. Eve said, look at this. And Adam said, yeah, that's good. And what happened? Death came. Satan was only the tempter. And Christ is only the Savior. What Adam couldn't do, Christ does. So this proper preface uh, is a special thanksgiving for the particular blessings that come. It goes with the season of the church year. And so we see with this one, yeah, once again, we're having a, uh, this is what you would say that part of Christ's life that we are speaking of, that we're receiving in the word. Yeah, we're getting that blessing in Lord's Supper. Easter. Chiefly are we bound to praise thee for the glorious resurrection of thy Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, for he is the very Paschal Lamb which was offered for us and hath taken away the sins of the world, who by his death hath destroyed death, by his rising to life again hath restored to us everlasting life. He's the Paschal Lamb, or John calls him the Passover Lamb. Same thing, he's the Pascha uh, of the Old Testament. Uh, And... We're giving thanks for the resurrection uh, and destroying death, rising to life, and has given us everlasting life. The Ascension. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who after his resurrection appeared openly to all his disciples and in their sight was taken up into heaven, that he might make us partakers of his divine nature uh, that we might receive that we might be with him and receive and so it speaks about the 40th day uh, after Easter Whit Sunday is what is uh, commonly called Pentecost Whit Sunday simply means uh, the white Sunday um, as such Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who ascended above the heavens and sitting on the right hand, poured out on this day the Holy Spirit, as he had promised upon the whole upon the chosen disciples, whereat the whole earth rejoices with exceeding joy. There are several Bible passages uh, that speak about uh, the rejoicing uh, that happens. 
Psalm 48, verse 2, beautiful mild elevation. The joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. Or let the whole earth be filled with his glory. Uh, it foretells uh, the coming of Christ and the whole earth rejoicing in those things. Trinity Sunday is one of the later Sundays, and unlike the other ones, uh, it is a, uh, the other ones seem to be a, seem to be a devotional sentence. This one seems to be a doctrinal sentence. Who with thine only begotten Son and the Holy Ghost art one God, one Lord. In the confession of the only true God, we worship the Trinity in person and the unity and substance of majesty co-equal. I, sounds a little like the Athanasian Creed of sorts. Um, uh, but professing that truth about who our Lord is, three in one, uh, the confession we make and, and who we worship there is one other one, the days of the apostles and evangelists on those special days. Because thou didst mightily govern and protect thy holy church, which the blessed apostles and evangelists instructed in thy divine and saving truth. So on these days we give thanks that God has given us the New Testament writers. Because the church is built on their foundation, they go to the Old Testament prophets and tell us truly about Jesus and what he has done in the church so that we have the New Testament uh, to build our faith upon. And so that also is uh, what is being given out in in our Lord's uh, Supper. Um, so, Pastor, in the ancient preface, they would have covered all this in one big, long prayer. Correct. And so we have, in effect, broken it out a bit. Probably better as a teaching tool. Um, Perhaps. <laughs> well, and, and I think that, you know, is there a right or wrong way to do it? No. But uh, but definitely, you know, for... I mean, well, we're not... We heard it every Sunday, the entire right. history of the church, you know, and everything involved, yes. Uh, so, th- exactly. that That's how, where they would have put it all together in one four-page, we get snippets of it mm-hmm. throughout still recognizing and, and, and seeing those. Um, let's see if I, can... I had a Greek professor at Fort Wayne, and he, he explained that as the ancient Greeks had a completely different thought pattern than we have. They're, 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 we have a very short... Uh, what are they? What's that? Tension span. The ancient Greeks didn't do that. The, the ancient Greeks. And I, of course, now you have to realize he's talking about the Greeks to Greeks to But they they thought completely differently than we do, and that's that's why. That that was his explanation for their for their astronomical prowess. Some some of the things that they discovered without telescopes apparently were just now discovered. It's 
And it made sense when he explained it that it's not really making sense when I'm doing it. But, but. Well, similar to John in the book of Revelation, who also presents this long and circular, you have the same kind of thing. I don't know so much with Paul, but you definitely do it with Stephen, the first martyr, when they say to him, you know, so what do you have to answer to this? Well, you know, two chapters later, uh, he gets done. You know, he starts off with, well, our forefathers, you know, were called by, you know, Abraham, and then they went down to Egypt, and then they came back up, you know, and he, like, gives you this long, you know, history. And I, I thought we were just asking you, were you preaching about Jesus? But he starts it there, and when he gets all the way to the end, I mean, I think for our minds, we kind of go, like, what was the question? You know, but, but for him, you realize when he gets to the end, he then tells you, why, and he doesn't even say it directly, like, yes, I'm preaching Jesus. He pretty well tells you, our forefathers have always fought against God's leading, and I just gave you the history of how it's going on, and you're fighting against me who's telling you the truth. Ba-bump, you know, and, and they're kind of following the whole history, kind of going along, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, you were talking about us the whole time. I mean, that's kind of the way it... It goes. Um, Karen? Do you, do you do that same thing for us? <laughs> I don't, you'll have to tell me. <laughs> when you get to the end, do you wonder where I've been? Yeah. Um, Mary? I was listening to the radio on the way here this morning, and I heard a country-sounding type of song, which I had never heard before, country style, and it took us from Eden and God providing the skins to cover our sins and, you know, working in the dirt and, and all that, right up to um, uh, Jesus on the cross. And the whole theme was, he gives us his righteousness. And I thought, wow, I wonder where that came from. I've never heard that song before. Don't know anything about who sang it or the source. But... He was right on the money, and I thought if people listen to this, they'll learn something. Karen, I thought about, I, I would, if it were up to me, I would give you three points, and then <laughs> I would tell you those three points, and I would bing, 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 you know, I, I think that's easy, easier. Um, as I've been going through this literature, I've been intentionally trying to paint you a picture and that's a little difficult for me because the picture dense. it takes a while to, you know you maybe you, if you've ever watched someone they're drawing something you kind of go yeah that's blue i don't know what you know that's green and it's kind of you know and then towards the end it all starts to come together and then you have that aha and, and, and it fit. well the liturgy start paints this picture and starts to do it and so once I, I painted you the picture of the preface and the, and the lift up your hearts and then the proper prefaces and then we get to the conclusion with angels and archangels with all the company of heaven and, yet, and we're going, okay, so at this point we ought to realize that everything that's there now is, is coming out. Today, with, with the contemporary worship and the, you know, what do you do? It's all felt needs. It's all about relevance. It's all about me right here and now. Uh, there was once a, a theologian who said, if the church is a democracy, he said, 
you just disenfranchised three-fourths of the Christian church by your contemporary worship. What he means is, is don't they get a vote? I mean, don't, don't the Old Testament prophets get to be included in this worship? What about the martyrs that died for, for you know, at Christ's time? What about the church pre-Reformation and, 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 and Reformation? When we come together and we worship, it's not just me and Jesus. It includes... I mean, we worship old, new, Adam and Eve, Moses and Elijah, with angels and archangels. We're all coming together. The God that we worship, we didn't just discover him. And and even those... Uh, you know, Protestants that that you know. Well, we, it's just you know we we learned something new and now we're going to go off and, and Luther allowed us to have a Jesus any way we want. Luther did not want that. He wanted the consistency. He wanted to make sure that we were not worshiping falsely. And so this pulls that all together. With them, we're all going to sing. And what are we going to sing? Well, why don't you write a little ditty and we'll sing whatever Cecil wants us to sing. No! We're going to do what the angels are because we're going to do Isaiah 6. We're, you know, what we're doing here is what the church is doing in heaven. Isaiah saw what they were doing. And, and we don't want to be making our own you know, well, let's use laser light shows and smoke and screening and, and what. No, I want to sing with the angels and archangels. I want to do an, a divine liturgy. I want to be joining here. And you know what's going to happen? When you suffer and die, you're going to go, hey, you're going to get them to heaven. You're going to go, I know this liturgy. You're just doing what I was practicing all along. But you guys do it better up here in heaven than, than we ever did down there. Tony. Yeah, I think sometimes the verbiage gets in the way. We say so much and it's so simple. I think we're talking about songs. Messiah has one. For in Adam all men die. But in Christ we're all made alive. That's it. But it's so simple we constantly have to talk to death. Uh And we miss the point. Too often I fear and the, um, he makes a good point. The you, you to have the right worship, you got to start with the words. But the words lead you to the mystery of of what God is is giving. Those who have said, "Yeah, let's just cut off the words and let's have the experience." I praise you, God. I praise you, God. I praise you, God. Lift up your hands. Can you feel it? That's not. That's not the worship that we're. But there is a, um, there is a contemplating what God is giving and realizing that more is going on. A love of those things which are not seen. Well, it's, it's interesting the the words of that. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name. That doesn't actually say let us. It says we are. We are lauding and magnifying God's glorious name. And I think I think that that's... I don't even know how to explain what I'm trying to say. What, 
that, that happens several times in the liturgy, that that we are doing these things. It's it's not something that God promises that we're going to do. It, he promises that we are doing them. This this is the same thing. So I'm going to push into this next time, but as I've as I've mentioned, we are joining together with the words that they have have sung. Practically speaking, we are sinners, and and, and we can screw anything up, and will. Um, so, if I give you a new song to sing, the problem is is you've not sung it before. You know, so you're like struggling to to. Now, what word is that? Well, what, I don't even know what that word means. That's a new word. You know, and I'm kind of going along. And then, what? The music went up. I thought I went that. Oh, he's singing something else. You know, and so when you get something new, it's, but but it does get your attention, right? Because you haven't done, oh, that's something new. What's that doing here? And so you get your attention. If it is something you've sung before, I don't have to worry about reading the music. I don't have to, I, I know what the music, I know where it goes. I don't have to struggle with the words because those words have come before. It actually gives me a chance to think. It gives me a chance to think as I'm singing. It gives me a chance to contemplate, to spend a little bit more time with these words which I've heard before, but now I never, now I see that, and so it does. Granted, I can mess up either one of these. Um, we're in a transition. And there are difficulties with a, a new words on a liturgy or a new book or picking up the blue book or the green book. You know, what? I, I get it. Um, but we are moving towards a being able to free ourselves that we might worship without that. Um, the Lord can use the change as well as the uh, the sameness uh, to to strengthen our our faith, to teach us about who Jesus is and 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 what He has done. Uh, with the Sanctus, we're going to and and this is kind of the end of the preparatory part before we begin with the words of institution before we begin with giving out the Lord's uh, the consecration of these elements of bread and wine for the purpose of being the body and blood of Christ and that we might receive them. But this finally then pulls together everything that we've said so far and in effects we have lifted our hearts up to God away from earthly things. We have uh, uh, entered the heavenly courts and now we are to receive uh, the God who, who has come to us. Everyone is here. Angels, archangels, believers, all that have come. Uh, this is uh, the, the, the pinnacle of what our Lord has done and now is giving out. What generally is preached is now received into the mouth for the forgiveness of sin. Questions? Let us pray.
Heavenly Father, it is always good, right, and salutary that we give thanks to you at, at all times and in all places, uh, but especially it is appropriate that as we learn about your gift to us in the Holy Supper, uh, that we might uh, give thanks and with true faith uh, receive the forgiveness of sins which gives to us life and salvation as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.